You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming online, WERA.FM. Hello, how's it going? How's your journey been so far? It's nice to meet you, nice to meet you, exactly where you are. Coming to you from Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. The great American cosmologist, author, and science communicator Carl Sagan said, we judge our progress by the courage of our questions and the depth of our answers, by our willingness to embrace what is true rather than what feels good. This week, I want to sit in that uncomfortable place that curiosity can create because I think Sagan was right. Progress comes with the courage of our questions. Then the issue becomes, how willing are we to make ourselves uncomfortable with the questions we raise? So allow me a neuroscience detour. Cognitive scientist Marika Hempa of Leiden University in the Netherlands has studied perceptual curiosity, the kind of curiosity that's aroused by novels, surprising or ambiguous objects or phenomena. She wanted to pique curiosity with equivocal stimuli, stuff that's open to lots of interpretation. Using functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, she and her team of researchers scanned the brains of 19 participants who were being shown blurred pictures of various common objects, things like a school bus, a tiger, and an accordion, of all things. She was interested in looking at the dilemma we experience between when and how we exploit or explore information. What that means is we exploit information, make use of it, take advantage of it when it's something we already have, and we explore information when we don't yet have it. She wondered how that balance and interplay between exploitation and exploration guide and and direct our decision-making processes. How do we balance knowing and not knowing? When do we rely on one or the other? And then she wanted to study whether individuals are prepared to endure even physical pain to relieve their curiosity. Would they endure discomfort in order to explore? Not all were willing to suffer pain, she says, but a few were. Lucky for us, some of those few are not only willing to endure discomfort, they're also willing and able to bring the rest of us along with them. DC-based social justice music maker Chris Matthews is one such person. Her gorgeous voice and honey tones will draw you right in, sit you right down, and then ask you to consider some very tough questions about institutional racism, homophobia, domestic abuse, immigration, the opioid crisis, every imaginable kind of personal loss, some very specific politicians. And deep in the folk tradition, she writes and performs songs of what she describes as compassionate dissent. And I think that's right on. She lightheartedly calls herself the poster child for intersectionality. She's Black, a woman, lesbian, and possessed of a fierce confidence in humanity. She checks a lot of boxes. And she confronts really hard issues in just about every song she writes, just about every moment of her day, yet she 
says she believes in hope. And I believe her. So welcome, Chris. It's nice to have you. you. Thank you so much, Lynn. Gosh, what a beautiful introduction. Well, you know, your music is a tough act to follow, I have to say. (laughs) We're recording this on on Election Day here in Virginia. And I just want to say thank you for showing up for candidates here in Virginia in this election. I know you do this all the time everywhere, but it feels really, really important today. So I just wanted to say thank you for that, too. Oh, my pleasure. That's the very least I can do. Yeah, Virginia was home for me for many, many, many years. So I'm definitely uh, rooting for Virginia today very, very intensely. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. You and me both. And congratulations on uh, Changemakers, your latest album. And it's on the first round of Grammy ballot? Tell me about this. That is so cool. (laughs) Yes, it's pretty amazing. Um, You know, we're just so proud of this record. We were proud of it as soon as we were finished with it. You know, we knew it was was something special. We had put so much love into it, um, especially given the subject matter and when it was coming out. And it came out in the middle of the pandemic. But yeah, it is. It's on the first round of Grammy ballots, which for a, a completely independent artist with with no record label, with no management, that is quite a feat. So we're we're all very very proud of how the album has been received in the world. It's a great it's a great album, and it's. I mean, the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because you raise hard questions, right? And you do it in this like these honey tones it's beautiful your voice is just gorgeous you know and 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 you make it I think you make it easier for people to step into harder places yeah you know music is this really powerful tool in a way it it kind of uh, seeps into pores in a way that normal conversation isn't always able to do. Yeah. And so, you know, with, with this being my, my chosen profession, I feel kind of like it's my responsibility to be able to, to wield that tool um, with a great deal of, of responsibility and clarity. And so because I have the platform I have, because I have uh, audiences who by and large don't look a thing in the world like me at all, uh, right. nine times out of 10, um, it's really important to me to be able to kind of have those difficult conversations um, in a way that invites the listener in and doesn't make them necessarily feel ostracized. Because as we know, our ears just don't work when we feel embarrassed and belittled. So, yeah, I'm always trying to be very mindful of who's in the room and what it is I want us to be able to say to each, to each other, to one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems really appropriate that you start Changemakers with with this song exactly where you are, right? You are, you know, making that overture, right? Of sort of meeting people where they are. Yeah. And I love, you know, it's just like a whole series of questions in this song about, you know, how's your journey been so far? And it's, to me, it's this really lovely welcome mat to a collection of songs that get sort of increasingly challenging, yeah, but easier and easier to sit with. Yeah, you know, we wanted to, I, I say, we kind of tried to bookmark it with hope. We tried to intro it with hope and love with exactly where you are and we end it with yeah. hope revolution very intentionally because in, in exactly where you are, the lyric says, uh, no us and them, just mm-hmm. me and you, you and me. And that's, that's so important. I think we are in this time where we're so polarized when we see things on TV, when we hear the news, but then when we meet one another in person, in real life, uh, outside of these, these computer boxes and screens, you know, 
it's very easy for us to navigate in that frame of mind that it's it's just us. We're just people meeting right. each other where we are, trying to figure out how to live in this world of ours. And so it's just a reminder to kind of start off for the listener, really to start off with that mentality, like, hey, you know, these are people, these are people who may look like you, they may not, they may have your same lived experiences, they may not, but at the end of the day, we're people and we're in this together. So just kind of a reminder of that fact before we start delving into all of those difficult things that the album covers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are a beautiful storyteller. I think folk music, I don't want to cast any shade here, but folk music seems so much more about storytelling than a lot of other music. Most definitely. That's why (laughs) I feel very at home in the folk community. (laughs) So do you think that it's maybe a more curious music genre as a result? I think so. No, not at all. I think that's one of the beautiful parts about about folk. Uh, One of my friends, who's also a a singer-songwriter, we were having this really great conversation about the idea of what is folk music. And I I was saying, I, I kind of feel like I'm a folk purist. My definition of folk music is simply music of the people. And so if that is your... Uh, lens, you know, through which you you come at, at this music is just music of the people. You have to have curiosity. You have to be constantly wondering about people's existences other than your own. How are they making it through this journey of, of life? You know, what are what are they finding? Uh, what are the commonalities? What are the things that are blind spots for you that maybe you know are not blind spots for other people? And how can you kind of speak to their truths and and help lift up their stories and lift up their truths? So I think there is a great deal of curiosity specifically that comes with folk music when you think of it in that term as as music of the people, because that means all of the people. And of course, we always get so um, we get tunnel vision sometimes and like what our story is, what our life is like. But we it's it's a very powerful thing to be mindful of others, mindful of what someone else's walk is like and how can you how can you elevate their stories to other people who may also need to be more mindful of of what somebody else's existence is like you know it's a, it's a really powerful thing yeah and i i mean it feels like that this willingness to speak up tell your own story tell other people's stories also makes room for other people to start asking their own questions about themselves about other people yeah and to engage their curiosity as well. Do you see it that way? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's this is the thing that's so powerful when when we find people who are so different from us and yet we find these connections with them, it kind of makes us rethink, what have I been doing with my life this whole time? I've been having all of these assumptions about this particular group of people, but it's only because I've never met anybody like them, anybody else like them at all. So I, you know, I've had all these preconceived notions, but Apparently, none of them are true or accurate. You know, it's a it's a really powerful thing to get people to start to question, you know, how they were raised as, as somebody who is a daughter of the South. You know, we know that so well. Uh, so many people who never had any black friends growing up, they never had any kind of experience being in, in black spaces, people who are not black and how it changed so differently, how black and white people in the South uh, were able to interact with one another once they actually knew somebody who was black, all of those kind of things that they were taught growing up, all of those preconceived notions that their parents and grandparents had that were handed down to them, how very easily those things were shattered once they actually became friends with somebody who didn't look like them. So yeah, it is, it's, 
it's important to to begin to question. It is very important to to actually uh, buck up against some of those things that you maybe were just taught, but that actually haven't been your your lived experience, your lived truth. It just were a thing that somebody told you while you were growing up. Yeah. Do you think of it as trying to pique curiosity? I mean, is curiosity a way that you have thought about what you do? In, I think in an indirect way, yes. I think for me specifically, the example that comes to mind is in the song, This Kind of War. I don't have any direct connection or, or struggle or, or adversarial anecdotal history with the opioid crisis. But as I was driving home from uh, Southern Virginia, passing through Manassas, I went, I drove past this truck that had a bumper sticker that said, uh, shoot your local heroin dealer. And the curiosity that that peaked for me was what must that story be for that to be the mm. thing that's on somebody's bumper rather than my kids in a honor roll student or, you know, uh, love, peace, not war, things like that, for that to be the thing that was on their bumper sticker. I was very, very curious about what their story must have been. And that really led me to kind of do a, a deep dive into an area that, that I really didn't have a lot of experience about at all and want to lift up that story because so many of my of my fellow citizens, that is their story. That is something that they're dealing with. So yeah, I think in an indirect way, curiosity is, is ever present in my storytelling and in my songwriting. So do you think music gives us courage? Most definitely. I was just, I was just, I was just, just before we sat down, I was listening to your performance at the Kennedy Center's uh, new millennium stage, whatever it is, yeah. when you were performing your new song. Yeah. And so it's a couple years old now. And you have this great line, which I'm not going to get right about, uh, you know, singing in response to the troubles. And when we can't sing, we dance. And I yeah. thought, you know, I, I had this this idea of Sagan's line about sort of the courage of our questions. And I thought, I feel like music gives us courage. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I, I find that when I'm having conversations with people who have listened to the album, you know, they say so often, you know, this song or that song made it so much easier for me to have language to speak to a friend who I've been wanting to speak to about mm. an issue, but I haven't had the words to, I haven't had yeah, the ability yeah. to. And I think in a lot of ways, music is like that, you know, because we all kind of know how impactful music is to and for us. And so when we find music that moves us to, to the point of tears or that makes us really, really think or that we can tell has definitely seeped into us in a very deep and profound way, it makes us feel brave and hopeful. Like maybe we can also let the music do that to and for someone else. So there's some beautiful quote. I, I live with Heather May. She references it sometimes when we're on stage. And it's a, I can't remember whose quote it is, but it says, music speaks when words fail. And I think oh, that yeah. is just so true. We're not always brave enough to sit somebody down and have a conversation about how Black Lives Matter, but we can take them to a concert and hold space with them while a song that is asking us to, to grapple with that idea is being sung to us. And mm -hmm. it is, I think music is, is definitely uh, like Popeye spinach for a lot of people. It definitely <laughs> makes them feel so much braver than they do on their own. I really, truly do. Well, I think of it particularly in the context of uh, you're a younger black woman in a, in a genre that doesn't look like you. Not Most at all. Time. <laughs> and your audience doesn't look much like Not you. Not at right? all. And yeah. so, so the ability to sort of give your audience courage to go towards some of those conversations yeah. 
like that's a pretty awesome power that you have yeah. right there. And a great responsibility. Yeah. And yeah. I tried to put on that mantle with a great deal of intention every single day um, because I know the importance that it could have for somebody else down the road. And so I'm trying, I always try to be so mindful of that with the songs that I write, with the songs that I sing, um, with the conversations that I have, if, even in between the songs, because that might be the first time some of my audience uh, members have ever had to grapple with some of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's important that they do, you know, it's important that we have some of these conversations. It's important that we think about these things because these are, these are people's lives and livelihoods. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is, it's a lot of responsibility, but I try to be very mindful of that. So you're like in perpetual teachable moments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so does the, uh, you know, it was funny when I was reading the research on exploitation and exploration of information and, and it, I, I will confess the language felt funny in this conversation because exploitation in a conversation like this usually means something really different. Yeah. But I, but I'm interested in your thoughts about this exploit, explore dynamic resonating with you and maybe its role in social justice more broadly, maybe specifically in music making. But unpack it a little bit, if you would. I think for me, in in this context, the the idea of exploitation, as far as exploiting uh, information, previously attained information, I think that's an important piece of it as well. You know, what what is your actual lived experience? You know, what knowledge do you already have? about the way that the world works that you can use to inform maybe how you approach another person and how you approach another situation. For example, when I say that uh, I believe in hope, uh, the reason that I can say that with, with a great deal of authority is because I can kind of exploit the truth that I see day in and day out uh, in every corner of the world that I am in. I see how much hope is out there still, despite all of this that we've been through, I know that to be true. And so I'm able to come at so many of these difficult things with a hopeful perspective uh, because I know that to be true. You know, anything that has ever moved this country forward historically has only ever been because of hope and love. Every profound bit of change in this country has always come from somebody else loving somebody else enough to insist on so much better. And that is the thing that always wins the day, always. And so I exploit that fact. I explore how we can get everybody else to understand that and realize that and come on and get on this hope train with us. But I know that to be true. And so historically, you know, we have all of these examples to point to. Those are truths that we can exploit. Those are things that we can say, hey, do you remember back when it wasn't even legal for people who look like me to be able to vote? And now we have a vice president in the, in the White House who is a Black woman and a, and a Desi woman. We have had a Black president. We have had all of these amazing, powerful changes. But do you remember when those weren't the truths of how this world worked? And so I think exploitation is, is a part of it. You kind of have to come at it from a specific intention. You know, my intention here is to, to remind you historically of where we were and how far we've come. But then I want us to explore how we can go even further yeah. and why it's so important that we do go even further. So I think both piece, both pieces are true. I think you need them both to do good work in this world. Yeah, yeah. 
Nice. I like that. I like that. Thank you for that. I think yeah. that. I harvest what I call curiosity practices, right? Things that people do that bring curiosity into their lives in big ways, small ways, whatever. Do you have things that you do that I would describe as curiosity practices? Probably so. I try to question about people who have not had my same life. I try to be very, very intentional and and curious about other people who aren't just like me, because it's so easy. Um, you know, my friend Dave has this, this quote about, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm preaching to the choir, so they'll sing louder. Because of the type of music that I sing, and because by and large, the folk community is a concentrated collection of very progressive people. It does often feel like I'm I am preaching to the choir in a lot of ways. But when I'm writing the songs, I try to think about those people who aren't necessarily sitting in my audience because I'm hoping I get a chance to talk to them as well mm-hmm. and interact with them as well. And so I think I'm very intentional about trying to learn about experiences that have not been mine. I've had a very very charmed life. I, I grew up in Southeastern North Carolina with a big, beautiful, loving family. You know, wonderful. Just have had a, a very, very wonderful life, despite despite coming out at 18 to my preacher mom. That's its own chapter in a book somewhere. But despite oh, all of that, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. I try to always be very, very, very curious about people who have not had the life I've had, um, because those are the things that inform other people. So if I'm thinking... If I know in my heart that we're all good people, why isn't the world just automatically so much better of a place if we all innately are built with these good hearts, with these very common center points? Why why are we all not just trying to do everything that we can to make this world better? And it's because somebody somebody else's lived experience is coloring um, the way they're viewing this world. And so I'm constantly trying to figure out what is it? What is that? What's that disconnect? What's that gap in between? And what is informing those gaps? I'm always trying to figure that out because I'm, I'm fascinated by the question of how can we be built so similarly, each and every one of us, and yet we have so much division in so many areas when we're all built with those same huge beating hearts. Um, and that's a thing that keeps me increasingly curious, especially as these days get more and more intriguing, <laughs> like today in, in, in Virginia with this tightening election. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I like that. So before I let you go, I have what I call my big jar wannabe analogies. Are you game for doing this with me? I'm up for it. Let's do All it. All right. Okay. Okay. So I have this jar. There are slips of paper. I'm going to take out one for you, one for me, one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips of paper. And okay. I don't know what these are. All kinds of people put things in here. Okay. Yours is high altitude. How is curiosity like high altitude? And mine is hula hoop. (laughs) So you want to go first? You want me to go? Uh, No, I can go first. Okay. High high altitude. How is curiosity like high altitude? Okay. Curiosity is like high altitude because the higher you go, the harder it is to breathe. But the reward at the top of that peak is always worth the difficulty. Oh, 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 fabulous, fabulous. I love, oh, and so on point for this conversation. (laughs) Let me just say, let me just say, I love it. Okay, so how is curiosity like a hula hoop? 
uh, a hula hoop. Uh, I would say that curiosity is like a hula hoop because um, it's most fun when you really let it spin and, and particularly when you let it spin kind of almost to the point where it's like uncomfortable or out of control, but you have to keep it moving. So I think that's how it's like, um, I think that's how curi- her, curiosity is like a hula hoop. And nice. audience, yours is kitten. How is curiosity like a kitten? Let us know. Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, hashtag analogy. Tag me in those. I want to hear those. <laughs> oh, audience. See, Chris is waiting. So you have to weigh in on this one. Um, well, Chris, this has been this has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Lynn. This has just been delightful. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington, streaming online at WERA.FM. You can catch all my previous episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to Be Curious, and on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number Two, Letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your kitten analogy, hashtag analogy. Don't disappoint Chris. Huge thanks to my guest, Chris Matthews. Find links to her and all her fabulous music on my website. And I'm sending you into your day with Chris's own exactly where you are. I hope you'll join me again next time. Until then, choose to be curious. No us and them, just me and you. Just me and you. Just me and you, Just me and you, yeah. every with a story yet to tell A hidden gem Buried deep within the depths Of their well Hello, how's it going? How's your journey been so far? It's nice to meet you nice